in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Uh, although we don't have an actual update, I did want to start with Jamal Murray. Uh, he got hurt, left the court last night in the final minute of a Nuggets loss uh, to the Warriors. Uh, non-contact knee injury. I know the Nuggets said they are awaiting results from an MRI, but that would be pretty devastating to the Nuggets, who are in the top four in the West, to lose one of their top two players in Jamal Murray if he does, in fact, have a serious knee injury that would end his season. Yeah, it's not good when the first paragraph of most stories call it a brutal knee injury. So usually brutal knee injury does not translate to day to day. He'll be back soon. Yeah. So the the West, like if you look at the Western Conference standings right now, it's kind of bizarre. The Jazz and Suns are up there. The Clippers are in the top four and the Nuggets are there at four. But that four spot of the Nuggets could be taking a big hit if Jamal Murray is, in fact, out. So it'd be listen. All, all we want is healthy teams in the NBA playoffs. Like, more than maybe any other sport, it's the play, playoffs that matter. The regular season's kind of irrelevant. But just give us the healthy teams. Like, LeBron and AD, I don't care. I don't care if you guys are the seventh seed. Just, just be healthy once you get there, and we'll enjoy it. It's going to suck if Jamal Murray isn't there. Because the Nuggets have had, like last year, they've had a good season, and they might not have their second best player. I don't think they could do it, but I would love to see... Denver, and I don't think he's going to be healthy now because he probably blew it out and he's probably gone for the year. But what if, for whatever reason, he's healthy? I don't think they could beat the Lakers, but I sure think it'd be a fun 4-5 matchup. Yeah, I mean, Jokic I mean, and Murray are good. Yeah, and they're, and that they're would fun. be a good matchup. Like, we, we talked about it a lot last year in the playoffs. Jokic is just fun to watch because there's not yeah. people that exist like him in the NBA. It's <laughs> right. not... It's not an overwhelming display of athleticism. It's more like, now, how the hell did that guy score who can't jump? Yeah. And it, it's it's fun to watch. It's a, it's a very contrast of styles from what you're used to getting in the NBA. It's a chunky boy. Uh, <laughs> Ed, you've, you've been a writer for over 20 years. Where does brutal fall on the <laughs> scale of injuries? Like, I assume gruesome is worse. But yes, like, gruesome is worse. Brutal is bad. Har- harrowing uh, dangerous is, is is lesser i'm trying to think of other words brutal's pretty bad though brutal would translate i think to where he's gone for the year uh that's how i would I, that's if i wrote brutal be like if you know nut job nut case it kind of like, explains itself in terms of what the word means see here, I do here's love my to, i do love to write nutcase, by the way and, and there's a few we all know that that can be attached to <laughs> you when i used to listen before i started working here lunatic used to be yes you're yes. like i used to like if i was drinking in the morning you could take a shot every time ed grady called I, someone a lunatic well, i got i got a lot of bad emails on that word and i'm like you're not really understanding you know kind of a joke but they people didn't like that so i've kind of gone away from lunatic nutcase doesn't get as many bad emails so I've, I've, I've kind of made the switch. Here's here's my thought. Well, that's a crazy person, Ed. I give yes. you permission to use any word you choose. Gruesome describes an injury that we physically see the injury. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm talking bones like... bones out of the leg, yeah. Right, or like Willis McGahee's knee goes backwards. Yes. Like, gruesome is we see it. Brutal is like we can see the pain on the person's face. Like, we can see it in their face, or they're like Jamal Murray was. He was 
rolling on the ground yelling last night. Like, that to me well, is brutal, where we can't really see what physically happened to their leg or their knee, but we yeah. can see it in their face and Bru hear it when they're screaming. Brutal is when Eric mm. Howla gets boarded, blows out his knee, and afterwards yes. Gerard Glant says, lower body injury, day to day. <laughs> JR like Gerard, he just blew his knee out. He won't be back this year. J.R. Starkis just chimed in with devastating. Oh, yeah. That, um, I, I think I mean, that's more that it's an injury, but it means that the team season is yeah, that, definitely that needs con done. Yeah, that needs context. Yeah. That's like, you know, LeBron is done for the year or something like that. Like that's right. it's devastating like, to their chances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Glad we cleared that up. That's a it's great, important. great question. San Diego State landed Cal transfer Matt Bradley. He scored 18 points per game last year. He is a career 40% shooter from three. And I find it funny that UNLV has landed four players off the benches of Big 12 teams and San Diego State landed the best player on Cal's team last year. Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, Nevada and San Diego State does far better than anyone else with transfers. I mean, that's what they do. That's how they stay they stay good and they stay relevant. Um, uh, you know, Eric Musselman was terrific at it. Dutcher's been terrific at it. So not surprised here. It came down to Cal and San Diego State for this kid. And, you know, San Diego State does a really good job. Is that if they lose a kid to a Power 5, they've done this a lot, they'll keep a good relationship with the kid because so many kids transfer and transfer back that apparently a lot of people called on this kid. I read the story. The kid said, no, he knew right away where he was going because he had the previous relationship. So it's a really good get for them. You know, they lost they lost Shackle as a three-point shooter, and so to plug this guy in is good for them. But I'm not surprised because, like I said, Reno and them do the best job with transfers. Not even close in this league. So... I think UNLV fans are hoping Kevin Kruger kind of also has that touch and he does really well in the transfer market. What you just described about San Diego State sounds like tampering. Oh, yeah, it's borderline. It's <laughs> it's not it's not brutal, but it could be devastating to other people's chances if it works out. <laughs> Next question. The Colorado Avalanche traded for Carl Soderberg yesterday from the Chicago Blackhawks. And that was basically it in the West yesterday. The Avalanche added Soderberg. The Golden Knights made the trade for Matias Janmark. The rest of the teams didn't do much besides San Jose just taking on salary for draft picks because they did it a couple of times. Uh, but are we sitting here looking at the Avalanche getting the better forward from Chicago than the Golden Knights yesterday? Probably he are, he spent four years with Colorado before, so they know him really well. Um, the last <laughs> it's hilarious. The second graph, the speedy center, like they need more speed. Like <laughs> this guy's like, yeah, we need to get faster now because we're just not fast enough as the Colorado Avalanche, and we will blow people away if they try to skate with us. So he's thirty five years old, you know, kind of up there in age. But like I said, they knew him, uh, they knew him well. So who got the better of it? I don't know. I mean, this guy. He has to be a middle six guy, right? He's not coming in. I mean, even their, and their third line, like Dave Shane said, their third line's really good. So I don't know. I think there's a chance just how good Colorado is. Is this fair to say that Matias uh, Janmark would play a bigger role for the Knights than than he will for the Avalanche, or is that unfair? Yeah, I, I, you might be I true. Know. I mean, that might be right. I, I'd have to read some more and see where the Avalanche are sort of projecting Carl Soderberg into their lineup because they they do have a very good lineup hell their fourth line is pretty good too so yeah. that that that's a fair question like where does he fit in and and if you know like we like we were talking about with alex tuck being ahead of yon mark 
That's one guy on the third line ahead of Jan Mark. How many how many guys are ahead of Soderberg on the third or fourth line in right. Colorado? So yeah, he might not have as big of an impact just just because of that. By the way, how is Chicago so bad if they've got so many fast yeah. forwards? I mean, like what is this? Every like <laughs> they're like the fastest team in hockey. Apparently, oh. they traded them all the way. How are they so bad? I mean, I thought speed kills, my friend. I thought it kills. Well, it kills for the Avalanche, but yeah, and they also. Uh... De- no, that was Detroit. I, was, I feel bad because I thought he was in Chicago. I don't know. The Blackhawks kind of moved a lot of people out yesterday. Um, maybe hoping for draft picks. They don't have as many draft picks as Detroit, which I think has 66 draft picks over the next three seasons. So Steve Eiserman, if he's a, if Steve Eiserman in Detroit knows how to draft, they're going to win the cup in like four years. And if he doesn't, they're just going to continue to be brutal because he has so many draft picks. No one knows who's going to be on the team. Next question. North Texas's Hope Troutwin struck out all 21 batters in a perfect game. It is the first perfect game in North Texas softball history. But can I tell you what I'm upset about? She uh, struck out. She struck out all 21 batters in a perfect game. And when she recorded the last strikeout, her teammates didn't celebrate. They just walked off the field like it was a normal out in a normal game. She threw the serious? most perfect. Yes, watch watch the video on that link in there from Mean Green Softball. It was it's the most perfect game you can ever throw, where you struck out every batter, and they just walked off the field to the dugout like it was the end of the third inning. Like what? Like that mob her. She should be on the ground underneath every single player on that roster. But they just walked off the field like, good job. That was that was a good game. Good inning. Good half inning. Not like it was the best game in the history of North Texas softball. Who am I thinking of that went to North Texas from UNLV? What president? You got to help me out here. Uh, a president went to North Texas? I do not know. Was it a it president or an AD? If you, uh, if you know. Te- oh, here he is. Here he is. North Texas president. Uh, Niels Maastricht. This is the dude, Tyler. Oh. Who, I think we were in Tulsa. I forget. It's wherever um, Brockman has hit the shot to uh, to beat the Rebels. It was in Tulsa. Or so, I don't know. Somewhere in the middle of the country we're at with the Rebels. And, and Ari Brockman has uh, uh, hit the shot. Niels Maastricht at the time was the president of UNLV. I'm sitting there courtside, and I look across, and you see a sea of people. And there's only one person with his face painted completely uh, 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 with school colors. And it happens to be the school president, at which I said, looks good on you, though. And I run over to a photographer and I say, please get that. He goes, the fan, I said, no, that's the school president with his face painted. He was he was Seinfeld. He was the face painter. Um, so that's all. I, and then he went to North Texas. That's really all I remember about Niels Maastricht. Uh, but when I saw North Texas, maybe not surprised that their softball team reacted in a way you wouldn't react, given he, given he paints his face. If UNLV makes the NCAA tournament again, new president Keith Whitfield needs to be there with face paint. Desiree Reed-Francois oh. needs to be there with face paint. Yes. Kevin Kruger needs to be coaching on the sideline yes. with face yes. paint. With if face they make the NCAA tournament, they all need to have UNLV face paint for that, that game be awesome. because... They will have fixed everything. There will be no more problems for UNLV. Man, would they do it in football question. if they won two games? Oh, oh. Well, how about one? Um, okay. So, All right. I, I want to get to this one. Julian Edelman, 
failed a physical yeah. yesterday and announced his retirement from the NFL as the Patriots terminated his contract with that retirement. Uh, are you surprised that John Gruden didn't reach out and try to give him the Jason Witten contract? Well, I don't think the Raiders have enough wide receivers. Uh, they're now at like 15, <laughs> so maybe they need to sign another one. Uh, yeah, that's been that offseason of wide receivers. I guess not. I don't know if he's retired. Look, the only place probably would be with Brady and Gronk, and I don't know if you know um, Bruce Arians really thinks they need Julian Edelman, but it's Brady and he won him a Super Bowl, so I would guess Brady can sign whoever he wants now. Um, I would think that's the only team Julian Edelman would consider, right? I mean, if he's, he's either going to retire, he failed the physical, or he can pass the physical and go play with Brady and Gronk for another year, but... I guess I'm not. I think John's fine at wide receiver, Tyler. There's 16 in the room now. They signed a bunch in the offseason, so I think the Raiders are fine in, in the room. You think John Gruden has ever seen an offensive position and thought, I've got too many? He has never uh, thought well, that once in his life. He might he's think got, that now that he, he's now got that he is Nathan the Joker. Peterman. He's got <laughs> Nathan Peterman signed to a million dollars guaranteed for some reason. He now that he drafted, has the Joker, he might be okay. The, joke, the Joker pretty Jacobs. much. Well, the Joker pretty much takes up five positions, so well, you can, you know, he, he probably thinks he has enough. Better hope he takes up five positions, or man, <laughs> that's going to be a bad signing. All right, coming up next, could UNLV land another point guard out of the transfer portal this week? Now I've always said, I'm gonna go until the wheels come off, and. Uh, they finally have fallen off. Due to an injury last year, I'll be making my official announcement of my retirement from football. It was a hard decision, but the right decision for me and my family. And I'm honored and so proud to be retiring a Patriot. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Hey, Tyler, Tyler, real quick. Um, yeah? Was that Julian Edelman or Jordan Reeves? <laughs> oh, well, okay. Julian Edelman's... Uh, it's Edelman, okay. All right, all right. Play, all right. Played a little bit longer than Jordan Reeves did uh, football well, played career. Different, played a position, actually. But, okay, here we go. So uh, you've got a chance to win $1,000 plus $250 in a Raider Image Store gift card thanks to the DeHart team and Nova Home Loans. All you've got to do is correctly guess the first 17 draft choices in the NFL draft. Go to lvsportsnetwork.com and right in the middle of our homepage, you'll see uh, uh, where to click for this. But you're just going to fill out who you think the first 17 picks are going to be in the draft. The winner will get a thousand bucks in cash, two hundred and fifty dollars gift card to Raider Image Store. Uh, so that's it from DeHart Team, Nova Home Loans. Thousand bucks, two hundred and fifty dollars in gift card. If you can guess the first seventeen picks in the NFL draft, so lvsportsnetwork.com is the website to go to if that is what you are trying to accomplish. So, I do want to talk a little bit about UNLV basketball because there is a point guard. A transfer point guard that is going to be uh, committing this week uh, that might be coming to UNLV. Mike Saunders is transferring out of Cincinnati. He is uh, supposedly making his decision on April 15th, so on Thursday. Last year at Cincinnati, 15 and a half minutes per game, 3.5 points per game, was basically their backup point guard. 
Uh, BYU, UNLV, and Wichita State appear to be the teams that uh, are getting the most interest here for Mike Saunders. Uh, but Kevin Kruger apparently not pleased with just having two or three point guards on the roster. He wants another one. Yeah, I don't know where this kid's going to go, but um, I think, you know, he's he's from the Wasatch area. I think that's why BYU's in on him so hard. Uh, he's from their area. So here we go again with the cliche of coming home and bringing him home. So they're probably... <laughs> Uh, a difficult, a difficult team to beat in this. If if he actually wants to go home and, and play closer to to his family, um, again, it's it's going to be another kid that if he goes to UNLV, people will be excited. He played at Cincinnati. That will have no idea how he's going to translate because he didn't really do much at his previous stop. It's kind of become now the consistent theme of you're going to get guys from decent basketball programs who didn't do much at all at their form. It doesn't mean he can't come here and be an all-conference player like all of them. We have no idea, but there hasn't yet really been a commitment where there's tangible evidence they're going to come and be really, really good, right? Which they could be, but if he goes to UNLV, I'll kind of shrug my shoulders and say, you know what? We have to wait till this season starts. We have, it's going to be a completely new rotation. I mean, essentially I I follow your, uh, your portal updates. It's going to be essentially a new team other than a few guys. So we'll see how they play when it comes. I mean, if they think this kid's good, played 15 and a half minutes, it's, it's, you know, a decent amount in terms of a backup, I guess. But, you know, the numbers just suggest, again, where it's a wait-and-see prospect. But he's got to sign guys, right? I mean, he needs a, pretty much a whole new team. He's got to put bodies out there. Yeah, it's, it's it comes down to, you know, UNLV is, I don't know if taking a risk is the right word, but they're, if they get Mike Saunders, that would be five guys from bigger conferences that were coming off the bench. And right. that, you listen, you could end up with five guys that are all, that all should have been getting more playing time because they're better than whatever their coaches thought they were at the Power Five school. And at the lower level, they, they show out. Uh, but you could also get guys that don't end up playing hardly at all. What um, San Diego State had, what, the Tomeic kid, the seven-footer, right. who like barely played this past year, and he transferred right. in from a Pac-12 school, and he didn't do a whole lot for San Diego State. So you could have, like, if they, they've got four, if they get another one or two more or whatever it is, some of them are going to be breakout players, and some of them aren't going to be that good. It's a question of how good are the ones that actually are breakout right. players next year, or, or is it more like last season where, well, Bryce Hamilton's your best player, but he's not very efficient. And you're not going to win right. very much doing that. So that's sort of the the path UNLV has taken. Uh, it's an interesting path in that regard. And Mike Saunders would take that as well. There's two parts on Mike Saunders that I'm, I'm curious about. Number one is the point guard depth on this team. They have Jordan McCabe coming in, the transfer from West Virginia. They have Marvin Coleman coming back. And they have Kashawn Gilbert, a freshman, coming in. So they have three guys at point guard. None of those jump out as stars, but they've got three decent options at point guard. If they add Mike Saunders, and he's not the only point guard they're apparently interested in, so they could end up with another point guard next season. What's interesting, they only have two guys that you would consider either a shooting guard or a small forward right now in Nick Blake and Donovan Williams. Like, they have no depth on the wing. So I think what you're looking at next year is there's a good chance Kevin Kruger's playing lineups that have multiple point guards on the floor that he's playing Marvin Coleman and Jordan McCabe together, or maybe Kashawn Gilbert gets in there. If Mike Saunders comes like he's playing two, maybe even sometimes three point guards at the same time next year, which would be interesting given that UNLV didn't have a single point guard on the floor for most of last season. Are they um, now, I know in fish house briefs, we're going to talk about Mbake Zhang, but are they in your mind right now? I don't know the roster completely off my head, really undersized. 
they would be undersized in the sense that they don't have a traditional center, but they would have they they they're going to have pretty good size in the front court aside from having a true seven footer. Like the kid like from you Texas look at, is really athletic, right? Yeah, like you look at Royce Ham, Victor uh, E. Walker. Uh, right. Who else am I missing on this list here? Um, and the the other transfer they got in, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, um, Donovan Williams. All three of those guys have good size for their positions. Like if Donovan Williams, he's six six playing shooting guard. That's terrific size for a shooting guard. And Royce Ham and Victor Ewalker, if they're playing small forward, they've got good size. They're pro- they're not going to have a seven footer. Or, or with Zhang gone, they're probably not having a seven footer, which is fine. You can survive that way. You might get beat up in a few mismatches, but you you can survive perfectly fine without a true seven footer on the floor. I think the key is going to be having more size throughout the rest of the lineup than having, you know, a true twin tower matchup in there at the center position. Yeah. The other guy we haven't talked a lot about, and I know we're going to have Mike Vermal on at nine 30. He can update us. Uh, he hasn't said one way or the other, which I guess is good for you, you know, because he hasn't said he's not coming, but Arthur Kaluma, uh, I haven't talked a lot about him and, I assume they're really hoping that that stands true. I know the Durango kid has said he's coming back, but Arthur Kaluma uh, is coming. But Arthur Kaluma, I think, is really interesting. And I think at this point, you'd have to say the odds are he's coming. I mean, at, at this point, I would have thought you'd hear otherwise, right, if he decided not to come. Yeah, it would be like if you're Arthur Kaluma and you were going to leave UNLV, you would think you would have left UNLV already. You would think yeah, he would have already have asked UNLV – yeah, for his release, so he can start getting recruited by other schools and start finding out where he could go. Now, I'd be willing to bet other schools have already been recruiting him, had been recruiting him for a long time once TJ Otzelberger left, and maybe that process is happening without him officially asking for his release, but I think it, the longer it goes without Arthur Kaluma asking for his release, the better it is for UNLV. Obviously, you'd prefer oh, him to just yeah. say... Obviously, you'd prefer him to say, I'm coming back and sort of end it. But if he doesn't say anything, if he doesn't talk to any media members or whoever for the while, the longer it goes, the better, because it just makes sense to get get out yeah. there and, and be, a, you know, officially released from UNLV if you are, in fact, going to leave UNLV. Because otherwise, it's kind of got to be, uh, you know, under the table. Oh, so-and-so is talking to Arthur Kaluma, even though he still signed his letter of intent with UNLV. Yeah, this is a... Uh... Like you said, I mean, I don't think he's done, but uh, there's just a lot of question marks at this point. And, and look, it's not that's not that's not unusual when you're going to Power Five schools. Because here's the thing, you're not usually going to get the best Power Five kids to transfer out are staying in the Power Five. I mean, it's very seldom right. that you get a Power Five kid to come down. So mostly, if you're going Power Five at this point, you're getting kids that haven't done much at that level, but who were four stars coming out of high school, showed a lot of promise there. And look, it's going to be fascinating. I'm really interested to see, um, you know, whether it's their preseason practices or their first game, how he how he puts this team together, what style of play they can you know play. I don't know. I haven't seen on here the kid from Cincinnati's uh, shooting stats or numbers. We've talked about it before. They have not, at least this point, signed a bunch of kids who have shot really well. So that's going to be interesting as well. You know, can they make shots? Do they have many shooters? Um well, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really fascinated. Usually when a team comes back, you kind of know who they're going to be. We know nothing about this. So it actually does make it interesting to see how Kevin Kruger builds it and what style of play he, you know, he, he uh, infuses. So just to give you an update on Mike Saunders, he's only taken 23 career three-pointers. Okay, so, so he's not a three-point shooter. Okay. N- n- well, 
he, well, he didn't play a whole lot of minutes last year. So right. not a big sample size. He only made right. five of them, which is 22%. So okay. we don't really know if Mike Saunders would be a three-point shooter or not. There's not any evidence to suggest he is, but it's it's not a ton to say, hey, maybe he's better than 22% if he actually gets to shoot more than you know twice a game, which is sort right. of Kevin Kruger's entire plan this season is, hey, let's get people that actually shoot a little bit. All right, coming up next, we'll take a break, and we will talk to Charles McDonald about the NFL. You know, obviously there's more losses than wins, but I've been proven to, you know, win football games here. And all things considered in New York, I think, you know, just timing wise, things didn't really work out towards the end. But, you know, like I keep saying, I'm just excited to be here. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. He's at four verts on Twitter, writing at four the win. Uh, Charles, I see you've fallen into the trap of arguing about Julian Edelman being in the Hall of Fame already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, I just based on your tone, I'm just based on your tone, I'm glad you understand it's a mistake. Yeah, I, I, was, I was sitting here, I was tweeting about him. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Why am I wasting my time like this? Like, I, I, like anyone who thinks that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer, like I'm not going to convince him that he's not. So I don't really know why I'm sitting here wasting my time. But I, I find myself thinking that about a lot of the time I spend on Twitter. <laughs> but listen, ha- Hall of Fame arguments are. It is like the perfect example of why sports Twitter, sports talk radio, like people care so much about something that is so irrelevant, whether or not Julian Edelman gets in the Hall of Fame. Right. And at the end of the day, like it's not it's not going to change the course of my day, or at least I'm not going to let it. So I think I'm just going to let it go here. I actually thought uh, the best Twitter back and forth was yesterday. People got really not a shock. People got really excited about it, which is very bizarre is that Eli Manning versus Julian Edelman for the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, you're actually arguing about this weirdness about these two guys? I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, it's nuts. And, and I mean, if I had to pick one, I'll go Eli. But, yes. again, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and argue all day about Eli Manning versus Julian Edelman. Like, I got bigger fish to fry about, like, why Julio Jones is the greatest receiver of all time. <laughs> All right. More importantly, let's talk about the NFL draft because I I'm I'm fascinated by what's going to happen with the quarterbacks. Even like, okay, let me ask you this first off: Are you convinced it's going one, two, three? Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Uh, I'm convinced on one through two. I mean, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that was done literally the second that the Jaguars clinched that number one overall pick. Uh, basically, I mean, we all know the deal with Trevor Lawrence. Whoever had the number one pick, literally, no matter what team, unless it was like the Chiefs or something, if they had the pick, they're going to go Lawrence. So, like, Zags Lawrence, that's set in stone. Uh, Wilson Jets, that's done, too. I mean, I think that that's been decided for uh, probably about a month or so now. Uh, and then the 49 to 3, I know I keep hearing people say Mac Jones. And, like, I've talked to people myself that say Mac Jones. But I just can't bring myself to believe that you would need to trade, you know, three first-round picks to get someone like Mac Jones. It's like, especially the way that we've kind of seen quarterback evaluation evolve over, uh, I guess, really, this is a very recent trend. I mean, especially with the success of uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, where when you look at them coming out, they're kind of like these big, raw, 
power arms that, you know, if you can just hit a lot of them, this guy, like, you know, you're going to have someone that can tear the league down. Uh, Josh Allen kind of made it to that plateau last year. So it's kind of weird that, you know, with all these tools, you guys are going high in the draft again. And you have, you know, really, I think the top four guys, when you look at Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, like they all kind of fit that, you know, big arm uh, athleticism mold that NFL teams are kind of falling in love again, that you would trade three picks to get Mac Jones. Like, and I know that, that people keep saying it, but it just, it just, I can't make it register and make sense in my head uh, that Mac Jones is going to go three and not only three, but he's going to cost his three first round picks to get there. Like, that that is just something that doesn't make sense in my mind. I still think it's going to be Justin Fields and Trey Lance for forty nine. Uh, talk we don't hear a lot because the three or so you know the, the three or four or so in the headlines. But Trey Lance kind of seems like a top ten guy. In your mind, is there a chance five six years down the road we're looking back and saying, "Boy, you should have taken Trey Lance higher." Oh yeah, I think that's definitely possible because I think one thing about Trey Lance that maybe like your casual fan doesn't know and I mean for good reason he hasn't he hasn't played in a year or the year he did play was at North Dakota State but you know he's not like quite as raw I think as people uh were making him out to be like like some of the stuff where he was you know the way he was reading safety is like a 19 year old first year starter at North Dakota State and getting his pass protection all set up you know in terms of like the things he's going to be asked to do as an NFL quarterback that don't involve throwing the ball like, he's already had uh, a lot of experience with that at North Dakota State. And at least if you're just looking at it from the way the offense is constructed, not I'm not like the, the how complex the play calls are, but if you're just looking at uh, really just like the structure of the offense, you know, they're in a lot of eye formation under center. So for people who are concerned about how he would, like, translate into running under center stuff, well, he's done that a lot at college. Uh, it, it's almost kind of like the offense that uh, like Jim Harbaugh used to run at Stanford with Andrew Luck with maybe a little bit more quarterback, uh, uh, a quarterback run stuff in it. Like they have a lot of veer stuff that you see the Ravens doing Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's just a really complete guy. And I think the biggest issue with Lance is probably maybe getting him to speed up his process throwing the ball a little bit and fix some of the accuracy stuff. But, you know, if we're talking five years down the line, we're talking about Trey Lance has made get two, three Pro Bowls, I wouldn't really be surprised because, like I said, his his floor is pretty high or higher than I think people are giving him credit for, and his upside is just through the roof. We lose Tyler? Okay. Ed, go well, ahead. Let me ask you, yeah, let me ask you, and stay there, and we're going to go to Las Vegas here in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, the storylines. Give me an impression at this point, of what the league believes about John Gruden, the 10-year deal. I think anyone else who hasn't made the playoffs three straight years, people might say, yeah, the seat might not be hot, but it's warm. What's the impression across the league as people have seen John Gruden on this return, whether it be the draft where they've missed or they haven't gone to the playoffs yet? Is there a belief, you think, that people think he's still the right guy and can do this year? I mean, I think people are definitely giving it, you know, raising eyebrow at it, but... I also don't know if Mark Davis is someone who's going to pay someone not to coach for him, at least, you know, with this many years still left right. uh, on, on the contract, which I guess is why people aren't really – like I, I guess people don't really feel like he's going to be fired, even if you're, like, raising an eye at, like, some of these decisions that he's making. I mean, 
it's kind of weird the way that this is played out. I mean, he's almost like walked his way into a mini rebuild, like with what you have to do on the offensive line and defense. Uh, you know, I, I guess like it's good to still have Derek Carr in place, but I, I do think he's honestly gotten to a point where he's pretty underrated, and mm-hmm. uh, he's playing he's playing some some really good football over the past couple of years. Uh, I mean, I think since Gruden's got there, I, I think it's it's not crazy to say he's been a top ten quarterback in the league. So, you know, at least you have that in place. But you know, there's so much more to fix now. I mean, I'm still kind of trying to make sense of some of these offensive line moves they made. Uh, and just in general, like, you know, you got to rebuild, like, the right player off of the line. You still got to do the defense. So the fact that you're, like, in year, like, this is going to be year five or six. Right. Of, four. Year uh, four. The Gruden, year four? Year four? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you're, you're coming in, like, you know, halfway through this contract, and you're still seeing some of these glaring needs. I think it's definitely uh, a little alarming if you're a Raiders fan. It, it's year four, but it only seems like year 13 around here. So. Yeah. It's all, it's all, That's all, thing, it's all relative. Like he's been there a long time. <laughs> all, right, all right, Charles. Uh, defend the argument that you made on Twitter that the NFL draft should be abolished. Well, I just think that, you know, we get into these situations where these guys that are just awesome in college, they have to go play for these crap teams that, you know, <laughs> are barely trying to be competitive. Like, Joe Burrow being sent to the Bengals, it's just, it's not right, man. Like, Mike Brown, he never tries in free agency. He lets his players walk and get outbid by other teams. And Like, maybe you have, like, the DJ Reader contract from last year, but overall, like, he's not really someone here that's, like, going to pull out all the stops to make his team as good as it can be. And I think that you just need to start punishing the owners that are just coasting by and not doing the best they can do to make all 32 teams competitive as possible. And one way to do that is to get rid of the draft. You know, make these guys, you know, you don't have the benefit of just Trevor Lawrence coming to your team. You don't have the benefit of just walking into a lackadaisical 2 or 14 season and getting gifted with the best player in college football. It's, it's not right. So we're going to give... As soon as the, the, so the, the, the offseason will function as normally does up until we get through the combine, the combine ends, and then at the start of the new, year, new league year or a week later or whenever you want to do it, all the college players get to enter free agency just like everybody else. And then we can get all these players getting what they truly want, what they truly going to be paid on an open market. Uh, and I just think it would be fun to see how competitive these owners get. Like if Trevor Lawrence just walked into the open market right now, oh. wouldn't it be kind of fun to see like the Jaguars and all these other teams, the Jets like bid over his services to see, just to see how much he could pull in as, as a free agent. So uh, I mainly want to get rid of the draft so that these owners can't coast and get rewarded for having bad teams and not trying and still stacking this money. Like we need to have to try a little bit to get the marquee quarterback. You shouldn't just be awarded that after a horrible season. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, my main, I guess my main drive for getting rid of the draft. It's making it a little bit more competitive with the owners who are stacking money no matter what they do. I am it would be the greatest circus of all time. Yeah. yeah I, I'm the greatest circus of all time. Yeah, it'd be phenomenal. I mean, because Trevor Lawrence getting people bidding on oh, Trevor Lawrence right now would be would be hilarious. Much much better than any draft conversation we've ever had. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, I had the idea that we could get rid of the salary cap, but I'm willing to meet in the middle here. 
we can keep the salary cap, but instead of having one salary cap, we have three salary caps. You have your normal salary cap for veteran players. Then you have your, your incoming rookie salary cap, which we can figure out how to work that later. And then we have a separate salary cap for running backs. So, that they can get their money to before <laughs> that their career is over. So I think that that's – we get rid of the draft, we give running backs their own salary cap market, and I think that that's how we can kind of fix football going to the future. Uh, I, I am here for the one-year $75 million deals for running backs so they can get paid oh, before yeah, their yeah. legs give out. <laughs> All well, right, I thought – I, I'm on board with the fixes. He is Charles McDonald. It's at or McDonald. It's at Four Verts on Twitter. Charles, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for having me. Can you imagine plan. if they also did? You must spend the exact same money, fifty percent on offense and defense. The combustion oh. that John Gruden would have. Gruden John, would, would pass out if he had to spend <laughs> as much on defense as offense every year, fifty-fifty. It would just—it'd be hilarious watching that. He'd give one defensive guy like a hundred million dollars yes, and just yes, call exactly, it a yes. day. Yes, Say, nope, exactly. good enough. He, we're going to pay that guy a lot of money so we can spend it on Jason Witten over yes. here. All right. Coming up next, Luke Perk Dandy from PropSwap joins us. We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Joining us now from PropSwap is Luke Perk-Dandy. And Luke, I, I got to ask you, were there any poor souls that bought like a Denver Nuggets ticket last night? <laughs> um, I didn't see any Nuggets tickets sell. We have okay. been selling a lot of Jokic to win MVP tickets. That's been a hot MVP ticket. He was he was like 20 to 1 odds in late fall. So, you know, December, he was almost 20 to 1 odds. It seemed like it was LeBron James' award to lose. Um, he's just been out for so long that it, the tide has now shifted back towards Jokic. So, uh, but, but no no specific Denver Nuggets tickets. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm curious, do you think a Jamal Murray injury would make Jokic more likely to win MVP now? I do, yeah. I think with the Nuggets' success, and obviously the West is just such a loaded conference to have him uh carry that team yeah i think it even it pushes that that further towards them winning that luke i saw over the weekend you tweeted a ticket would you sell this it was baylor hideki machama to win the masters i, I you can remind me if the bet was twenty twenty five dollars to win over seven thousand tell me about the ticket and did someone sell it yeah. Oh, yeah. So that it was a Hideki Matsuyama to win the Masters parlayed with the Baylor Bears to win March Madness. That was uh -huh. an initial $80 bet. Okay. It sold two separate times. It sold once after Baylor won <laughs> for um, $700. So, you know, 80 into 700 And then the guy that paid 700 Hideki obviously won. So that cash for $5,000. Oh. Everyone made a lot of money on that bet. Wow, what a what a parlay though! What, Baylor and Matsuyama I mean, together. I mean, Baylor, yeah. I get, but Hideki Matsuyama. I mean, that's that's a huge reach, right? I mean, you know, good for him that it paid off. But I got the Baylor part, but I'm like, at the same time, he thought Hideki was winning the Masters. Yeah, yeah. This this whole Vegas doesn't do these yet. Hopefully, one day, yeah. Circa might, but most of the other casinos don't do cross sport parlays. 
Um, so it's become a huge vertical for Propsaw. We, we can't keep those types of tickets on the shelf. But it's fun. You bet, you know, 50 bucks, 80 bucks, and you kind of get two long-term events to cash. And obviously this guy cashed for five grand. Um, so it was, it was a fun transaction. And then uh, Justin Rose was 100 to 1 odds to open the Masters. So we had one guy bet 100 bucks at 100 to 1 odds, and he sold it for $2,000. Oh. On Saturday morning, before round three began, oh. um, just a perfect prop swap transaction. Like the buyer got the best <laughs> odds in the world on Justin Rose, and the seller turns a hundred bucks into two Gs in you know forty eight hours. Wow. Well, he is Luke Pergdandy from PropSwap.com. Yeah. Check out PropSwap if you have uh, any great tickets like that. If you're betting on Baylor and Matsuyama, PropSwap is for you. Uh, thanks, Luke. We appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, guys. Bye now. Wow. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Do we have a sharp? No, the, the, I'm taking the, the first pirates. five with the Miami Marlins. Oh, Jesus. Our, You're betting on the first five of a baseball oh, no. game? <laughs> <laughs> our our boy picked the pirates yesterday, right? Yes, he we did. don't we don't have a sharp. Yeah, so we'll we'll get a new sharp tomorrow. Will be the plan. We're going to ignore Jared's pick there. First of, five, uh, Miami Marlins. I, no, no, we're ignoring the hell out of that. We are. Wait a second. Can I, am, I can I, I follow am, in Jared's footsteps and take the Dodgers or the Rockies at minus three twenty? You're not allowed to give out picks, Ed. You can oh, only give right. out I'm leans. Leading. I'm leading towards the Dodgers minus three twenty. Wait, who's pitching today? Uh, Dustin May. Um, okay. No, no, not even, no. Trevor Bauer. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Oh, wait. Can, you can, uh, Ed, you can bet on will Bauer be ejected for using pine tar, yes or no? Oh, I'm going to say no on that. He doesn't use pine tar. He's totally above. He's above board. Oh, please. He hasn't even denied <laughs> it. He's been yelling about this the whole week, and he hasn't even denied using it one time. He's just being like, oh, they're singling me out. Not even Dave Roberts denied. No one has denied that Trevor Bauer uses pine tar. They're just mad that he's getting in trouble when nobody else is. Witch hunt. Witch hunt. Happens all the time. They're going after my guy. Going after my guy. All right. This is like getting pulled over for speeding and then saying, well, everybody else was speeding. That doesn't mean you get to speed too. Like, you still broke the law. You're still getting in trouble for it. That's Trevor Bauer's defense right now, is everybody else was speeding, so why am I the only one getting in trouble? On that oh, point, do you believe, on that point, do you believe, because we haven't heard back uh, from his second start, that nothing come, becomes of the balls that were sent in? Wouldn't we have heard before he makes another start? Well, from what I read, it gets sent to an independent lab, and I... Would assume that would be a quick process to take a baseball yeah. and test what the hell's on it. So, yes. But I also feel like we would have heard the other way, too. Like, if Major League right, Baseball right. was like, yeah, there was nothing on it. I feel like we would have heard that part of it, too. So, I I don't know what to make of that situation because it's still, it's bizarre. Like, just the whole thing is bizarre. Just let them all, just legalize the whole thing. Who cares if they put pine tar to get a better grip? It's fine. <laughs>